Welcome to another episode of Life Rhythms Radio Show. I'm your host, DJ producer Ryan Sky. I'm going to be joined later in this episode by two co-hosts. I've got my manager, Scott Waldman, and his assistant, Emily Burke. Life Rhythms Radio Show, it is a show that revolves around my personal growth journey. As a music producer and songwriter, I spend a lot of my time observing the world around me, looking inward, and trying to make sense of it all. I do it through song, I do it at the clubs, and now I'm doing it with my radio show. Each episode of Life Rhythms revolves around this personal growth topic. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about hope. This is very dear to me. It's very, um, it's current, something I'm, I'm, I'm exploring right now in my life. The song that I chose for this episode, you heard it coming in, it's by a group called Rudimental, and it's called Sun Comes Up. And I love this song with regards to hope. When I look at the lyrics that say, suddenly the sun comes up and I feel my love flooding back again. Suddenly the sun comes up and the dark is gone. And to me, it talks about the power of hope, that when hope floods in, it starts to change our mood, it starts to change the trajectory of our lives. I noticed for myself, you know, the effects of hope, there, there's, a, there's ups and downs when it comes to hope, and that's something that we're going to talk about today. Let me give you some examples. Less hopeful people tend to shut down, especially during a crisis, whereas hopeful people are more likely to take action and help them cope. There's a study by the Journal of Positive Psychology that found that hope accounts for more productivity than intelligence and optimism combined. So basically, a hopeful person can do in one day a week more work than somebody who's less hopeful. So it's quite a big chunk of the pie. Hopeful people are also apt to be better at setting goals. A high hope person tends to have more goals and they're quicker to focus on another goal if they fail. People with the lowest levels of hope, they lose their will to live. And hopelessness is actually even more closely associated with suicide than depression. So what I'm finding is that hope is the bedrock of getting out of these suicidal states. And so it's interesting, you know, hope is, I was very curious about hope. I noticed how it was playing a, an important role in my life as I'm moving through these various challenging times of my career and things that were going on with society and COVID and the quarantines and all these things. I wanted to talk about hope. And um, so what I'm finding is, and this is what we're going to talk about later in the episode, is that hope is a vital coping mechanism that helps us ward off despair, helplessness, and depression. It, it requires a belief in the possibility that things can change and it gives us the will to keep moving forward. But the thing is, hope can be a difficult emotion to summon when times are at their toughest. So that's exactly when we need hope the most. And that's why I want to talk about it today. We're going to explore exactly what hope is. We're going to understand what, what creates hope. How, do, how can we build hope? What is the effect that it has on our lives? How can we use it to strengthen our mental state? That is what we're going to talk about today. I'm so excited about it. We'll get into that when we come right back. But I danced through the blisters at night and I left till I cried and cried. I ran till my feet couldn't run no more. And I sat till my lungs were burning till I know I'm alive, alive. And 
Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Life Rhythms Radio Show. I'm excited today because I have two co-hosts, my manager Scott Waldman and his assistant Emily Burke. What up? Hey, hey, hey. Hi. I'm very honored to be part of the show. I've listened in on all the episodes so far, and I'm happy to be uh, to be here with you both. You always have poignant things to say, and I wanted to have you on the show today because we were specifically talking about hope. Uh, it's something relevant to the three of us. The song that you guys were just listening to when we came back into this segment is called The Sun Comes Up by Rudimental. I love this song. I love the, so- the soulful vocals of it. I love the upbeat energy and the lyrics um, and the verses when he says that I dance through the blisters at night. I hear him talking about him pushing through him, him pushing forward, even though he's got blisters and pain. And he, it's it, to me, it's about the human spirit. It's about you're struggling. You've got blisters physically and mentally, emotionally, but you're dancing through it. You're laughing through when you're crying. He says he does it until his feet couldn't run no more. He's going all the way to the end. I, I, I believe it's a great testament of the human spirit that we keep, we keep moving forward even when we're feeling down. I wanted to talk about hope today specifically because going through this experience of the quarantine and COVID, I myself have noticed I am experiencing a lot of ups and downs. And, um, and, and when I, I realize that it's coming down to hope, um, I realize that weeks that I am very productive and I feel really good about things, I notice that those weeks I have a good amount of hope for the future. I have like a specific focus. I feel like I know exactly what I want to do and where I'm going and I see the path forward. And then on weeks where I'm, as Scott would say, I'm I'm not as um <laughs> I'm not as responsive <laughs> to Hey, 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 why are you calling me out, foo? Well, what I pre- I appreciate is that you notice. You can you can tell my ups and downs, and you can tell when I'm. Um... Yeah. Oh my God, I can, and I just want you to know that it's it's crazy that we're doing this episode today because I don't know what it's like where Ryan is in the Hollywood area and Emily is in the Valley, and I think today is actually the hottest day of the year, so the sun has come up. <laughs> oh yeah, it is very hot outside, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's not just hot inside. It's a metaphor. Yeah, it is a metaphor. I, I appreciate when you are aware of my, I guess, emotional state. Sometimes I, I get a little annoyed by it. But at the same time, I'm like, hey. <laughs> but it's a good thing because I'm like, oh, wow, he, he's he's uh, he's in tune to to what I'm going through. I'm trying to be. I mean, it's this is a hard time to be hopeful for anyone. It really is. I mean, especially for the three of us, because we're in the live entertainment and music business. It's just yeah. a crazy, crazy time. And there's people like my wife who worked in travel and all these hard, hard, hard hits of reality are really, really fucking us over. But yeah, yeah. What, 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 what choice do we have? We could sit and mope, which rhymes with hope, or we could try to be positive and record episode four of this show. I'm glad we're doing it. And I wanted to explore hope because once I was starting to realize that it's an important component to at least my experience, I also realized that maybe I don't understand hope that much. So I spent time over the the past week um, researching hope and trying to understand it. And I want to bring that into this episode. I wrote a quote 
on the subject today. And the quote says this, often overlooked and confused with optimism and wishing, hope is one of the single most important components to achieving a happy, successful life. Hope is the cornerstone of finding meaning in life, of escaping depression, of building a more successful future and achieving goals. Hope leads to healthier choices in life and can turn your mood and your life circumstances around faster than any other state of mind. When we understand what hope is, where it comes from, how to cultivate more of it, we become masters of our lives. We can overcome adversity and challenges and we can be nimble in life and realize our full potential. If you want a happy life, you must start with the first building block, which is hope. I mean... I, I don't have a counter argument to any of that. <laughs> Just from the research I've I've been doing, that's kind of my synopsis of what I've been finding about hope. I think it's also important to note that sometimes it, it's hard to find that or people can't, you know, there's, um, I mean, a big thing if we're going into mental health is also, you know, certain types of depression, all of that. They always ask like, are you feeling hopeless? Uh, And so that also plays a role. And I think it's really important to note, uh, Ryan, that you mentioned before when Scott reached out and sometimes you get annoyed by him reaching out, that it's also um, if you are feeling so down and hopeless, you don't want people to ignore the fact that you're feeling that way. And it feels good that people are noticing the change. But at the same time, if you're in that state of mind, even people reaching out is like a task where it's like, oh, great. Now I have to respond to this. And it's building that. Well, where not only do I have to find <laughs> myself feeling more hopeful, but now it's like, okay, I need to build back up this hope and then I need to build back up the energy to pursue it. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like a pressure you feel because you know, you're experiencing kind of like a down moment and, um, and then you have people checking in on you, which is, which is great, but, uh, and also kind of puts, um, uh, shines a light on the fact that you haven't been responding or that you're, you're feeling down. Um, you know, on my end, I, you know, we're going through the quarantine. There's, there's a, a unique set of challenges on that, but then also being an, a music artist has its own set of challenges. And, you know, Scott, you, you noticed like over the past week, I haven't been as responsive and I was feeling a little, little bit like, um, discouraged, uh, where I'm at right now in my career, kind of like, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday and this is normal, kind of like the ups and downs. But um, we had, you know, I've been working on original music and um, we had a, a call with with my lawyer last week who'd been pitching some of my songs to some labels. And the feedback he got was that they loved the music and they could see it on the radio, but that they felt like I was not a well-known enough artist for that level of a song and that we should pitch it to another artist. I started to feel discouraged because I'm working so hard on this music that I love and I'm passionate about. And I was really excited to put this out. And then now I'm being told that maybe I'm not, maybe I can't put it out under my, maybe I need to give it to another artist. So then in terms of hope, I started to shut down over the past week because I, I, you know, I kind of went from seeing a path forward of like, okay, this is the plan. I have got this music. I'm really excited about it. It represents who I am. We're going to put this music out. We're going to build momentum. We're going to grow my fan base. I'm going to get an agent from it. I, like I saw the paths forward. And then after talking to him last week, the path kind of disappeared. And now I kind of, I'm not really sure 
what the path forward is. And so what I've noticed is that on my end, I'm starting to, my hope barometer is dropping and I, and I'm also noticing that my motivation is going down. I'm kind of shutting down because of it. And Um, that's where I'm at right now with that. Obviously without getting too into some of the private details, I mean, in, in 2020 pre pandemic, anyone could release music anytime they want. Right now, we could write a song, record it over Zencaster. Shout out to Zencaster, yeah. by the way. And it could be up on SoundCloud that night, or it could be up on YouTube that night, or it could be on um, uh, DSPs like Spotify and Apple Music um, right. shortly after that. But is that the smartest thing to do? Is to just post something without a plan? We could release music and have a big plan for you on your own, but some people like Bruno Mars, for example, um, he found his footing with songwriting and now he's probably one of the biggest pop stars in the world. We're not saying that you can't do it. And we're not even saying that you're not going to do it, but maybe someone else could potentially get you out there quicker. That's it. But at the end of the day, hearing news like that is frustrating and I get it. And I have been, I've had days and moments, especially during this pandemic, where I've truly felt hopeless because I don't just have a wife and a kid. I also have Emily, who's who works for the company. Thank you, Emily. Right. And all these other clients. And no one is stoked right now. Right. Are you feeling pressure? Yeah, of course. I mean, think about all the texts you send me and multiply that by everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can imagine you're, you're feeling pressure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a bank and I'm not an independently wealthy person and I really try to make the best of situations, but it's hard when you're dealing with, you know, a lot of people who are scared and upset. Are you seeing a path think, forward yeah. for yourself or are you not sure quite like what the future is going to look like for you? Both. I'm seeing a path forward. I have, I have some some clients that are, you know, managing to do okay. And I have some that are just stagnant. Um, and it's going to get better. I mean, despite the morons that are like fighting social distancing now, um, eventually we're going to be able to leave our houses again and people are going to want to get food. They're going to want to see shows. They're going to want to go to sporting events. So it's going to come back. But now it's just, a forced vacation. How are you feeling, Emily? I mean, I think we're all, and I know all three of us. I'm sorry. I said, she agrees with every word I said verbatim. (laughs) Well, I was just going to add on that. I know all three of us definitely feel it. Um, And I'm sure a bunch of other people in our position, especially in the entertainment and music industry, it almost feels like the universe is working against us. Um, So no matter how many ideas that we come up with or how many different directions that we take or how many times we change our plan, it's just the next roadblock, you know? Um, And unfortunately a lot of it is out of our control. So it's easy to lose your, your, lose your steam and lose your hope and lose your momentum. Um, And bring it back to the rudimental song that we just heard, you know, he has the line in it. Um, it wasn't easy trying to run with these handcuffs and it definitely feels like, you know, we're 
handcuffed or our hands are tied and we can't, we can't really do much, but that doesn't mean that we should stop trying to do it. I agree with that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. It's interesting that you had mentioned about feeling not in control. When I was researching about hope, control is actually one of the key elements to determining how much or how little hope somebody has. There's something I came across called hope theory. Um, there's a psychologist. He's actually called a positive psychologist. His name is Charles Snyder. He has a PhD, he's a psychologist out of uh, University of Kansas. And he kind of, he was the pioneer of hope research. And he realized that hope consists of two factors. One is called agency and the other is called pathways. And what he found was the person who has hope has the will and determination that goals will be achieved. And they have a set of strategies at their disposal to reach their goals. And put simply, he he found that hope involves the will to get there and then the different ways in which to get there. So when he talks about agency, the first component, it's basically our ability to shape our lives, the belief that we can make things happen. It's kind of like the motivation and the desire, like you feel as if you have control over your outcome. And then number two, pathways, that's how we get there. Those are the routes and plans that allow us to get there. So if you see pathways, if you see how you're going to do what you want to do, the hope barometer goes up. And if you start to feel like you're in control, you have a goal and you and you feel as if you're able to do these things, again, the hope goes up. But then as factors start to come in where you start to feel like things are out of your control, these are outside elements that are affecting you, hope goes down. And I, on my end, I, I noticed that I, I almost have like a threshold. I have, I have like this hope threshold that I can take so much, I, I call it bad news or unexpected, maybe curveballs. But then there's almost like a, um, a, um, a threshold that if I receive too many of them at once, then they start to affect these two factors, these, the, the hope factors. And that's when I start to shut down and I, I start to kind of feel like I, I don't have control anymore. I'm not sure how I'm going to move forward. That's hope theory. That's what I, what I learned this week. Wow. Um, well, I think that anything that we do, whether we're happy or we're sad, as long as we have some kind of plan and aren't just like throwing our hands in the air, I think that's the way to make things happen. What was that last part? I think the way to make things happen is to, when you're feeling any emotion, whether it's hopeless or hopeful or stoked or depressed, uh, it's a combination of time and actually falling through with some goal which is good, what's going to get you out of it. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because the more I was looking into hope, I was finding that you don't actually have to achieve your goals. It's not, you know, they always say like, it's about the journey. It's not about the, the end, the, the destination. And with hope and actually satisfaction and achieving happiness in life, I'm learning that it really comes down to if you have goals and you can see yourself getting closer to those goals, no matter how long it would take to get there, just the fact that you see progress moving towards those goals, that alone can be the foundation for hope and happiness and having a satisfactory life, which I, that makes me very happy to know that. Like, like it makes me happy to know I don't have to achieve a certain thing, but just the fact that I know where I want to go and I actually see some of it happening, I see myself moving there. 
that's enough to lift the spirit and create happiness and satisfaction. I think it's the difference between (laughs) unattainable goals and attainable goals. Because there's a lot of people who have goals to, you know, be a successful DJ or be a successful musician, and they haven't achieved one millionth as much or don't have the talent that, you know, you have or that I have done in the past as a um, musician. Like, I mean, I can have the goal to be, you know, in the NBA, but it's not a realistic goal because it's not, that's never going to happen. But I think it's the difference between something attainable and not attainable. Well, Scott, that raises kind of an interesting question because I'm sure in some people's minds, if they want to be an NBA player, if they want to be like a famous DJ, they don't see those goals as unobtainable. So maybe from the outside looking in, people will be like, well, that's impossible. You don't have like the right stuff to do it or you're not talented enough. But to them in their own mind, they're probably thinking like, if I work hard and do it enough, why can't I be, you know? So I think it's also like perception wise. Well, it's kind of like how when we watch like a show like American Idol and there's these really, really cocky people who clearly can't sing, they just don't know that they don't have the ability. But also sometimes you kind of need that. Sometimes we what? I think sometimes you need the delusion in order to do anything, you know, because like crazy things have happened in this world. And who's to say that the person who can't sing can't become a famous pop star. True. That's an interesting point. I think I would love to explore these ideas of mindset and and hope. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into more of, I would love to talk about more about this mindset, more about understanding hope. And then also we're going to go into how to build hope. If you're, if you're kind of feeling a little hopeless or feeling down, what are some strategies? There's, there's four steps to actually building more hope in your life. We'll go through that when we come right back from this break. back with Life Rhythms. I'm your host, Ryan Skye. I've got my co-host with me, Scott Waldman and Emily Burke. Hey, guys. What up? Hi. Emily, we've never done a radio show together before. This is crazy. <laughs> Scott, you're funny. Scott, everyone's got his own show as well on Adobe Radio. You guys should check that out. The song, uh, again, that we were listening to on the way in, it's a song I chose for this episode by Rudimental called Sun Comes Up. The lyrics... Give a little light to get a little love back. I love those lyrics because it's almost like a feedback loop. It's talking about how you, you get what you give. It's karma. It's what you put out. You get back in. And I, I find that to be interesting to, with this topic because one of the things when I was researching hope is that um, specifically hope during a crisis. There's an article on Psychology Today by Dr. Dale Archer. He's talking about his experience with Hurricane Katrina survivors, and he found that crisis leads to two kinds of survivors. The first kind is psychological victims. The second kind is psychological survivors. And what he found was the the kind of like the victim, the, those who who adopted a victim mindset. These individuals were passive. They were pessimistic. They looked to the past. They were focused on the past. What happened? They asked things like, "Who will help me?" They despair and are all consumed by their loss. 
and they were refusing to help themselves. That's the first kind. The second kind of survivors or the second kind of, of, um, of people during the, the crisis, they were psychological survivors. And what he found was that these folks were active. They were optimistic. They looked to the future and they started asking things like, how can I help myself? They grieve, which is healthy, but they also continue to persevere and fight. So I love those lyrics about give a little light, get a little love back because it's, it, you know, I noticed these survivors, they're focusing on the light and the love. They're focusing on the future. They're like, what can I do to improve my situation? How can I help myself? Whereas those with a victim mindset who were kind of shutting down, they were focused on the past. They were like, who's going to help me? And we, we all have choices in these moments. And, and what we focus our thoughts on is going to dictate how we move forward, the kind of actions we take or the inactions that we take. What do you guys think about that? Um, I'd, I w- I'd like to chime in on that because okay, this is something that I've spoken about publicly and privately, but basically people can choose to be a victim. I'm not saying, you know, kind of like how you pointed out, you know, that like if you grieve, that's a healthy thing, but you got to continue to persevere. I'm sure we yes. all know the kind of person who, you know, metaphorically uh, breaks their nose, goes to the hospital. This is all metaphorically. Um, complains the whole time they're there, um, gets out of the hospital, and then breaks their nose the same exact way again. You're choosing to suffer. It's, it has to come from within to motivate yourself to do better. Otherwise, you're never going to be a survivor. You're just be living life as a victim. And honestly, that sounds. Do you, think, do you think it comes down to habits as well? Like maybe we form a habit where we're just—it's kind of like an automatic response, one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, or just think about. I mean, obviously, none of us are trained, you know, psychotherapists, but I'm right. sure that a lot of how your parents taught you to cope growing up goes into how you are as an adult when you're doing it for yourself. Okay. What what do you think about that, Emily? I mean, I agree with Scott on that. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's interesting because I think a lot of people with victim mindsets maybe don't know that they have the victim mindset. um, Yes, I agree. Survivor mindsets because in their mind, they're like, oh, I survived this thing and now everything is awful. Not I'm a victim of this thing and everything is awful. Um, So I think it's, it's hard, but I think it's one of those things where people have to kind of become self-aware with it. And it's like, you know, the first step to healing is to understand the problem. Um, the and awareness. sometimes it's yourself and it's not the situation that you're in, but it's how you process the situation. I agree. It, it, it does come down to awareness when this whole quarantine things began. And uh, I, I noticed that like, I was thinking it was week number two and I started to feel down, it was because I was thinking about, I couldn't, as I was saying before, I couldn't see a path forward. And specifically with the quarantine, I was looking at my finances and the future and my gigs. I didn't have gigs and I, and I was not really seeing a way to my income and moving forward and, and being an artist and pushing my career and stuff. And so all these things, I started to kind of fall into that, uh, the, 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 the victim side of things. And it, it, it kind of set me back a few days. And, and I want to say to people, it's okay if you go through these moments. And for myself, I was able to turn it around because I, I, I started to focus on, okay, 
What are ways that I can move forward? How can I make money? What does the future look like for me? What are steps I can take today? And as I started to come up with concrete, a concrete plan of things I could do, I noticed that my mood turned around. I was more motivated and I responded to your text, Scott. (laughs) And, And I found myself... I found a path forward. I found myself more in the survivor section. So I, I've been, I've been kind of dithering back and forth. And like I was saying before, I almost notice I have this threshold of like, if I receive so much bad news, it starts to push me in one direction. And then I kind of have to have that awareness, like you were talking about, Emily, and be able to, to recognize what's happening and say, okay, you know, I can't sustain this kind of thinking. Cause then I started thinking about where is this thinking going to lead me? So then I started thinking about all the worst case scenarios of like what my life would end up if I keep going down this path. And that usually snaps me out of it because I, I think to myself, there's no way in hell I'm going, I'm going in that direction. I'm not like leaving LA and losing everything. And it's almost like disaster mindset. Like these things aren't going to happen, but our minds have a tendency we try to protect ourselves. So it's, it thinks of worst case scenarios. And then you sit there and you're, you're like ruminating about the future, about, of, of, this future that doesn't even, you know, you have no idea what the future is going to hold. And so the more you ruminate about it, you just have to be, I love that you talked about awareness, Emily, because that really does have an effect on, well, on, do you, on know, your mindset. you know about the five stages of grief? Yes. But I'd love to hear you kind of bring that into this talk. Well, uh, Emily, are you aware of it? If not, I mean, even if you aren't, I can, I can say them, but it's uh, denial, anger, mm-hmm. bargaining, depression and acceptance. And I feel that Mm. victims and survivors are literally the same at first because they're both dealt a hard blow. Yeah. And, and then from there you become one or the other because Mm. everyone's going to have to grieve in some way. And there's some people who are grieving that just never get over it. So I feel that at the end of the day, you're the same. And then how you go through those stages is what makes you either a victim or a survivor. That's an interesting point. The, the, the ability to move through those stages. And if you get stuck at one stage, it kind of sets you back. Yep. Have you experienced that on your end, Emily? Um, I mean, I not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I think maybe there might be some like, something maybe I push back or I'm not aware of, but um, I don't think I could relate to that as much as maybe some other people can. And so I'm going to clock myself on that one and not give an opinion where I'm not knowledgeable in, you know? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Well, let's talk about, I want to, I want to communicate some clarity with hope. So I'm, I'm, one of the things I learned over the past week, hope is different from optimism and it's different from wishing. So what I found was, so let's start with optimism versus hope. Optimism is kind of a general feeling that good things will happen, but hope tends to be focused on specific goals. People with hope have both the will and the, the pathways and strategies to actually achieve their goals. Is optimism just a... So, hope, so, so op- is that just like a positive Yeah, it's just like a... Yeah, it's just like a general feeling that that good things are going to happen. But there's no real clear goal, specific goal you're focused on, and there's no clear strategy to get there. So optimism is like, I just know things are going to work out. But you're not focusing on like what thing, which specific things are going to work out and how are they going to work out. You just kind of have this general feeling of 
of like, yeah, um, everything always works out for me. I feel good. And optimism is, is not actually that, that much of a predicator on, on, um, on happiness because it is lacking in some specificity that that's optimism versus hope mm. kind of interesting. And then also um, there's wishing, wishing versus, versus hope. I know what I learned was that wishing is ubiquitous, but it can be kind of like an escape from reality. Um, hope is different because it has to do with facing reality. So when you're wishing, you're like, you're wanting things to be different. You're kind of, you're kind of escaping your, you, what's happening in your life. Whereas hope, you're actually looking at the situation. You're specifically f- trying to figure out you're accepting it kind of like the, the stages of grief you're accept. So that's interesting. I'm just thinking about this out loud in terms of the grief stages. So when you're wishing, that's kind of like bargaining, you know, you're like wishing you want things to be different. You're, you're, whereas hope is more of the acceptance stage, right? Because you're like facing reality and accepting reality and then you're trying to do something about it. That I'm, that that's just, just like came to me. I think. What do you think about that? I think hope is just the more proactive one. It is, and, yeah. and that's why it's most effective on our happiness and our ability to move forward. I think I I agree with you on that one. With the hope is the more proactive because whenever I think of wish, and this is just the way it comes off in my mind, but it's like taking a backseat where I'm going to let things come to me instead of me actively pursuing the thing. Uh, Whereas like hope, it's more like, okay, I'm going to do this and we're going to hope that it works out. But I think both wish and hope have kind of a sense of um, may the cards fall where they may and not really a, I have a control over this thing working out or not. I would say, okay, can can you say that again? So, so you're saying that they both, you, you you feel that they both have a sense of of kind of like letting go and letting and just kind of accepting that it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, and maybe there's a a word out there that is like bigger than hope, where it's like because um, both wish and hope, and everyone might perceive these words as differently, but in my mind where it's like wish and like hope it's you're still leaving it almost to like a higher power where it's like, I'm going to do all that I can, but then it's still up to the universe almost. So maybe there's like another word out there that I'm just unaware of. Acceptance. The source. Acceptance. Acceptance. I'm going to accept what's going to happen. Yeah. Like kind of doing a Google search for hope thesaurus. Oh, and the, so do we want to look at hope as a noun or a verb? Um, noun. Well, if we're doing it this way, it's a noun. Uh, I am hoping would be like more of like verb. Okay. Uh, some synonyms for hope would be to, this is interesting, accept um, or not accept, expect. Expect it to happen is a, is a, a synonym for hope anticipating really? it's going to happen is a synonym for hope. I wouldn't have expected Yeah, and what was the other word? What wish expect, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because hope, I feel I feel that hope is, is yeah. yearning for something, but I'm not yearning, thinking this is 100% going to happen. But that's the difference. Because when I look at the, the, the um, wishing, um, synonyms for, for wishing, 
and the thesaurus, they are desire, want, crave. So when you wish, you're wanting it to happen, you desire it to happen, but when you're hoping, you actually expect it's going to happen. So those are the, that's a pretty clear difference. What was that? It's more realistic that it would happen. Ho- wishing you're wanting something to change, but hope you actually think it's going to happen. It's it's almost like um, hmm. I don't know if I can think of an of an example. Uh, maybe so. For example, with this whole quarantine, right now we don't know when it's going to end. Um, if you're listening to this in the future, you know when it's you know you know kind of what happens after the quarantine. But in this moment, when we're when we're recording this episode, just as an example, we're not sure exactly what when this quarantine is going to end. So right now we can't really have hope. It's more like wishing we want it to end, but we really don't know when it's going to happen. But once we have a date that the quarantine is going to end on such and such date, our wishing turns to hope because we actually expect it to happen because we have a specific date. We know we have a deadline. We know when it's going to happen. And for me, that's when it shifts from wishing to hoping. And and, and I bet it's going to have, I imagine it's going to have a good effect on our, our mood, depending on how far out it is. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I wish so. You wish and you hope so. Yeah, me too. Anticipate it as such. What was that? I anticipate it. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's cool. That's interesting. Um, one of the things I wanted to go over in the segment, uh, in, in, the, in the closing minutes is, how can someone build hope? What I found, there's a psychologist, his name is Shane Lopez. He's a senior scientist at the Gallup. And he describes four steps to building hope. And I thought this might be useful to our listeners because hope is, is um, it's not, it's a mindset. It's not an emotion. It's actually a mindset. And um, what, what Dr. Lopez found, these are the four basic steps for building hope. Number one, he calls it future casting. That's, that's kind of like a, a, a term he coined. And future casting, he says, it's envisioning a specific future goal in a way that makes it come alive. So if you want to find your dream job, for example, you take pictures that represent the career you desire, and then you create a collage to keep your goal in front of you. Some people make vision boards. So if you can really crystallize what you want your future to look like, this is going to start to build hope because you can actually see it happening. Whereas wishing, you're just like, oh, I would like a dream job. But when you actually create a vision board and you're cutting out and you're seeing it visually, you start to build hope because you're actually, it feels more real to you. So that's step number one. Yeah, I was about to say that Uh, it seems more actually attainable and real. Yeah. Step number uh, Yeah. Positive Ryan, positive Ryan. Ryan. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Number two, he says... The next step is you have to work towards your goal. So in other words, you create, I mentioned earlier, something called pathways. One of the two components, um, he, you create these pathways that are central to generating hope. So for someone hoping to land a dream job, that might mean taking classes or revamping a resume. And as I had said earlier, you don't actually have to achieve your goals, but if you're taking steps towards them and you actually see yourself doing it. So if you're taking a class or even just pulling up a resume and and updating it, that alone is going to start to build your hope because it's one step closer to your goal. It's something concrete and real. That's the second thing that he says you can do to build hope. Uh, number three, he's the he says that something called planning for contingencies, very fancy sounding. 
And Mr. Lopez, he found most hopeful people, they tend to see multiple solutions to a problem. While the hopeless plan only for the best case scenario, and then they come up with just one or two pathways to get to their target. So he says, you have to come up with many ways to overcome these obstacles. So the more contingency plans that you have, this is step number three, the the more likely you are to have higher amounts of hope because you have multiple ways of getting to that point. That's number three. (laughs) <laughs> do you guys do you guys want to comment on that? Oh, we're just nodding like freaking crazy, but Emily, you go. <laughs> just taking <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of, you know, the contingency plans. I think I, I know that I definitely have an all or nothing mindset sometimes where if it goes yeah. wrong in a way, I lose all hope altogether. I'm like, well, I tried and I planned and it went wrong and nothing else. But I think, you know, having multiple or preparing for the worst, sometimes it's hard to do because you don't want to think of the worst and you don't want to think that anything will go wrong. Your plan is seamless. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's a big takeaway for me to, to get kind of personal. Yay. Where it's like, you plan. I love that. Awesome. You plan and plan and plan on one thing. And then the smallest of inconveniences could derail it. And I you just- don't want that to affect you. You just reminded me of senior year in high school, what my guidance counselor would say. It's like, you don't just apply to one school. You have three tiers. You have kind of your reaches, your, I guess, quote unquote guarantees. But as you know, like you got to plan for a contingency there and your safety schools. So the safety schools are the ones that really like you have to really shit the bed not to get into. Uh, the regular ones are just like, you never know. You might get in, you might not. <laughs> and the reaches are like, all right, like, let's try Harvard. Let's just see what happens. And if you only tried Harvard and that was your only option, then you're probably going to go to You're kind of putting yourself in a position where you're you're likely to get a no. Potentially. Yeah, or right. Uh, for me, out of, out of we haven't gone over step number four yet, but I, I think three n- number three for me is something that I need. I want to focus in my life. I, I I believe that number three is kind of like a deciding factor for me because when I notice, for instance, when I when when we were talking about my my music last week, and I, I had I had like one clear path of exactly what I wanted to do: step A, step B, step C. And then when that curveball was thrown at me. I didn't really have contingency plans yet. And so it kind of shut me down. And then over the couple of days, I started thinking about other ways of getting to where I want to get with my career and with my music, getting it out there. And then the more of these contingencies, I started to come up with other ways to move forward. Then I noticed that I kind of was like bringing myself back to where I was and I was in a better state of mind and wanted to move forward. So for me, this is a good takeaway too. These contingencies, I think are really important to focus on. There's not just one way. Yeah. So let's, let's go um, number four, the final way for building hope. And uh, Dr. Lopez, he calls it re-goaling. And uh, an example would be families with terminally ill children. This is um, it's kind of like a sad example, but I, I think it's really a great one to focus on because so basically as an example, if you have a term- terminally ill child after months or even years of hoping that the child is going to recover f- from an illness, Parents have to shift their goal from helping their child live his or her remaining time comfortably 
and die peacefully. It's, um, you know, it's, this is a, a sad example, but I think it's a really clear one. And so, you know, families are, are, they, they have to re, they have to shift their goals. So psychologists, they can help a family accept this new goal and then essentially let go of old dreams in order to create a new future for themselves. So if you have the ability to change your goals as, as things are moving forward, you're going to be able to build hope in different ways because you're kind of adapting to the circumstances and, and you're focusing on, on a more realistic goal. Do you guys hear remix in the background? He's snort snorting. He's like right under my feet. (laughs) He's right under my feet. He wants to sit on my, we're guys, we're recording this remotely right now. We're not in the studio because, um, you know, the whole COVID thing. And, um, I have remix my dog. Yes. Every once in a while I hear him snorting in the background. I wonder if you guys can hear as I'm talking about this, uh, step number four, but yeah, so that, that's the fourth one is re-goaling. What do you guys think about re-goaling? Um, Emily, you got this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a necessary step. I think it might be a hard one for a lot of people. Um, And it also goes back to the all or nothing where if you can't achieve that one goal, then what's the point of continuing on in the first place? Um, So I think it might not be for everyone, which is unfortunate because I think everyone should kind of take on that mindset. But I think re-goaling is probably one of the hardest ones to do. Um, yeah, I was going to say you could lose hope very easily and be like, "Well, if I can't get what I initially wanted, what's the point of doing it?" I was going to say, the yeah, same regoling thing. is everything. It's it's interesting. You're going to say the same thing? Yeah, I was going to say that like you have to have a plan B, or you have to find a way. Like, not everything's going to go exactly the way that you plan it. If you get disappointed every time something fails in an exact fashion you're never going to be happy. Yeah, it's 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 about adapting to the circumstances. It's interesting to me this example is here because I as I was um researching hope, I was listening to TED Talks, watching TED Talks last night on hope actually. And the one TED Talk coincidentally was from a mother with a a terminally ill child and she was talking about her experience with this child, knowing that there's no cure. And as the child can, gets older, um, she, her neurologically will deteriorate to the point where she will eventually pass away. And the mother talks about what her experience was like. And, and really was about re-goaling now that I, I'm learning about these things. She was talking about shifting her mindset from it. You know, she had to accept that there's no cure for her daughter. And so they instead reshifted their goals to how can we give our daughter the best possible life in, in the remaining time that she has left. And the mother talked about all of the amazing experiences that she's had so far with her child, with like strangers. She said she's been kissed on the cheek by strangers. And she said that she's hugged mothers. She's hugged mothers and she's gotten, you know, cried in in arms of strangers. And she talked about how kids in, in her daughter's school how they, how kind they are to her. And they, you know, if her head falls off the, the headrest, they'll, they'll put her head in place and just the kindness of strangers. And she has experienced the beauty of the human condition through her daughter's life. She talks about how her daughter has touched people, even though now her daughter can't speak anymore. Um, she, she can't see anymore. She's still able to touch people in a dramatic way. And this has given her mother hope and here she is doing a ted talk on it and inspiring other people wow and uh, i find that yeah it's it's 
it's kind of bittersweet, but it's also beautiful. And, um, you know, that relates to number four. So, so that those are the four steps of building hope. Number one, future casting, you're envisioning a future goal. Number two, you're actually working towards that goal. Number three, you're planning for contingency. So the different ways of achieving the goal. And then number four, having the ability to re-goal, to change your goal based on your circumstances. Those are the four ways that we can build hope. What was that? Malleable is the word. Yeah, it's a great word. I love that word. Thanks, Ryan. Hey. Hey. I enjoyed this one. This was a fun episode. Yo, number four is a great number. I hope we can all... What? What we was can that? all leave hopeful. Oh, yeah! Thanks for thanks for joining me uh, talking about hope today. I, I really loved having you two on the show. You guys want to give your socials to do this again next week? <laughs> Emily, do you want to give your socials? Yeah, um, you can find me everywhere at Emily Burke B E R K E, which is a little odd. And uh, I work for Scott at Wald Management at WALD MGMT. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And Scott? My socials are at Ryan Sky. What a coincidence. Ah, we share the same account. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, people oh, might want to get in touch with you. How can they get in touch with you? My socials, um, you can go on Instagram, Scott Lewis Waldman, or... Like Emily said, Waldman Management, W-A-L-D-M-G-M-T. Uh, you could tune in to Waldman's Words on Adobe Radio on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And Ryan Sky is my homie. Well, thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> what the hell? Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> That's my alter ego. I need to give him a name. He doesn't have a name yet. Timothy. Timothy, thanks, Scott. <laughs> Over now. Guys, you can find me on social media, Ryan Sky, R-Y-A-N-S-K-Y-Y. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking about hope. I, I, I would love you to check out Rudimental's Sun Comes Up. That was the song for today's episode. You guys have a beautiful day. Hang in there. Remember these key points we talked about hope and uh, have a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>